What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards. Hey, Hoop Heads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Daily Thunder, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, At the Buzzer, and Cavaliers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoop Heads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, hoop heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. That game got ugly in the second half, Um, but it's a good win for the Wizards against a Cavs team that may or may not be very good and may or may not have had all their guys. Um, So yeah, Um, the Cavs this season, um, well, no, I'll, what do I usually say first? Um, the Wizards won this game 122-93, to 93, um, so a 29-point win is pretty good. That pushes the Wizards' record to 29-34, and 34, and it pushes the Cavs' record down to 21-42. and 42. Um, Looking at the... Cleaning the glass. <laughs> Sorry, I had, to, I had to check the score of that Celtics game that I've been watching, but now they're up by more points. Um, so yeah, <laughs> um, the Cavs are 27th in the league in point differential with a point differential of minus 7.4, which is really bad. <laughs> um, their offensive rating is 106.4, which is good for 28th in the league. And their defensive rating is 113.9, which is good for 24th in the league. Um, not only are the Cavs that bad already, but they're missing a bunch of guys. I want to pull up Cavaliers injury report super quick. Um, so the guys that the Cavs are missing, um, are Matthew Delvadova, um, who is a rotation player when he's healthy, Isaiah Hardenstein, who's a rotation player when he's healthy, um, Lamar Stevens, who is a fringe rotation guy for the Cavs when he's healthy, um, Torian Prince, who's a starter when he's healthy, Larry Nance, who's arguably the best player when he's healthy. Um, I would argue that he's their best player. Um, and then Dylan Windler, who's on the fringes of their rotation when he's healthy. So missing six guys who are either rotation or fringe rotation guys for a team that's already that bad um, is generally not a good thing. Um, so going over some of the, uh, I'll go over the four factors overview stuff. Um, the Wizards offensive rating in this game was 119.6, which is good for the 71st percentile. And the Cavs offensive rating for this game was an absolutely atrocious 89.3, which is good for the third percentile. 
Wizards affected field goal percentage was 54.3, which is the 53rd percentile. Cavs was 45.7, which is good for the 10th percentile. The Wizards turnover rate was 12.7%, which is in the 60th percentile. The Cavs was at 24.3 in the first percentile. Um, Wizards offense rebound rate 29.2, Cavs 32.1, and the Wizards free throw rate was 23.9, and the Cavs was 22. Um, so yeah, if you want to look at who was turning the ball over so much, um, for the Cavaliers to get that ridiculous of a turnover rate, look no further than Colin Sexton had eight turnovers in this game, which is a ridiculous number for a single player. Garland had three, um, but in 20 minutes, um, Jared Allen had two, Akora had two, Kevin Love had three, but fun Kevin Gale had three, <laughs> which is hilarious for a center. Um, but yeah, like not a very productive night, especially for the Cavs bench players. Um, so to go over some of the... Um, statistical numbers from or the general box score stuff from this game um, on the Wizards side like Bradley Beal had 19 points and only played 26 minutes um, Isaac Okoro actually thought did a fantastic job on him um, I didn't I had no clue why last time they played that Isaac Okoro wasn't guarding Bradley Beal the whole game um, but just in terms of like locking and trailing and like staying with him getting around screens fighting through stuff trying to blow up actions all that kind of stuff like for a rookie, Isaac Okor is phenomenal. Um, for an NBA player, like he's good um, defensively right now, which is like just insane for a rookie. Um, but yeah, I was really, really impressed with Isaac Okor tonight. Um, Bradley Beal had 19 points on 25 shooting possessions. Like sometimes the shots just weren't falling. Um, it wasn't all due to Isaac Okor's defense, and like other guys spent time like Con Sexton um, had stints on Bradley Beal, um, and Damian Dotson off the bench did too. Um, so yeah whatever. <laughs> Not really a big deal in this game. Um, Russell Westbrook had 15 points, 11 assists, and 12 rebounds. Um, those 15 points coming on 14 and a half shooting possessions. Um, let's see. We got more at 11 points in 23 minutes. Like it's hard to like these guys, this, most of the stars barely play like where how looked awesome tonight. He had 17 points. Um, he was plus 21 for the night, six and seven from the field, three, four at the line. Um, and he was just torching, he was single-handedly torching the Cavs in the fourth quarter. He had like three possessions in a row where he just like embarrassed them. Um, so that was hilarious. Um, Daniel Gafford came off the bench, 13 points is plus 28 on the night. Ish Smith was okay. Whoa. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna have to go through some of the Cavs starters versus bench plus minuses, but Ish Smith was plus 34 in 25 minutes. Um, he had 11 points. He was five for eight from the field. He made like his first five shots. Um, but yeah, always fun to see. Um, Jason Matthews at nine points in 10 minutes. That's cool. Um, Anthony Gill at 10 points in 19 minutes. Also cool. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty much it for the Wizards. Like, that was just all around, like, just too easy for them. Um, the Cavs' defense is not good. And it also doesn't help that their offense is not good. It also doesn't help that the Wizards were able to run and transition a bunch. Um, the Wizards transition frequency in this game was 18.6% of their possessions, which is in the 83rd percentile. Um, and their points for playoff transition was 163.2 points per 100 plays, which is a ludicrously high number. Um, that's absolutely hilarious. Um, so yeah, also 70%, 71% of the times off steals, um, the Wizards were running in transition, um, which is a really high number. Um, and when you have, when you get so many steals, um, then obviously you're going to get a lot of transition opportunities. Um, so yeah, looking at the Cavs guys, Conceston had 22 points inefficiently on 22 and a half shooting possessions. Um, he had two assists, seven rebounds, um, not eight turnovers, like minus four. Like he wasn't very good at all tonight. Like didn't really show out very much defensively. Um, Darius Garland had 12 points in 20 minutes. He got hurt. Um, it looked like he just rolled his ankle. Uh, I hope he's he'll be back. Like he's a, he's always a fun watch. Like the consistency stuff, the passing stuff, um, the defense, like all of that is questionable. But like. He, he's still in the second year. He's pretty young, and he only played like five games um, at Vanderbilt his freshman year there. 
Um, so I'm still, it's still a fun watch to watch Gafford. I don't want to see him get hurt. Um, yeah, I guess like Jared Allen at 13 points. Isaac Cora actually had 10 points. He looked fine offensively, like attacking the paint, um, which is a fun little development that he's um, getting better and better at um, throughout the season. I, I'm really, really high on Isaac Coro. Um, so, you know, if his offensive game ever comes around, then like at least like some spot up shooting stuff and then like two dribbles and a good decision or like put your head down and attack the rim, um, he can be really, really interesting um, with his defense already being above average. Um, yeah, like Chetty Osmond off the bench <laughs> made two for seven from three. Um, he came off a couple handoffs looking like Duncan Robinson, um, but he was only two for seven. Um, so, yeah, I want to go over. So the Cavs bench plus minus. Um, Dean Wade played 26 minutes and was minus 34. Mofundu Kavangeli played 21 minutes and was minus 24. Um, Chetty Osmond played 19 minutes and was minus 26. And Damian Dotson played 23 minutes and was minus 32. Uh, those numbers are pretty ridiculous. <laughs> Jeremiah Martin, also shout out to him. Um, I think he's on a 10-day. Um, like, I don't think he was in the league two weeks ago. Um, but he played 12 minutes um, and had four points. Um, congratulations to Jeremiah Martin. He made sure to get his shots up. Um, he was 2 or 5 in the field and also got the free throw line three times and was 0 for 3. <laughs> um, also, shout out Broderick Thomas. Um he played six minutes in this game. Um, also, shout out Wizards guys, Isak Bonga and Cassius Winston who got in the game. Um, yeah, just a weird game. I don't really want to get too, too in-depth um, with this one because it just wasn't really even close. I do want to look at, oh, one thing I do want to mention, Kevin Love shot the ball zero times in this game and played 22 minutes. Um, I I would love to see him on an actual basketball team that's not the Cavaliers. Like, Kevin Love gets paid however much, 30-something million dollars. Um, I didn't say 37. I said 30-something. Um but, like, why would he want to be on this team with, like, two point guards who still aren't that good at passing the basketball? Um, I want to look at the assist rates. Um, Cavs, player stats. This is on cleaning the glass I want to look at. Do they not have – oh, it's here on offensive overview. Okay, so assist rate. The guy leading the team in assist rate is Matthew Delvadova, who's only played 13 games. The guy second on the team in assist rate um, in terms of – I want to just look at raw percentage. Um, so Darius Garland has actually improved his assist rate to 30%, which is pretty decent for a point guard. Um, that's like right around average. So that's way, way better than it was last year. Con Seconds' assist rate is 19.8%, which is terrible for a lead guard. That's absolutely awful for a lead guard. I think that's better than what he was last year. Um, I want to actually, I can look this up. Um, last year, 2019, 2020. Um, Con assist rate last year was... Oh my God, his assist rate last year is 14.4%. Um, if you're curious, that's in the sixth percentile for point guards. This year, cleaning the glass to find him as a combo. Um, I still think of him as more of a point. Um, so that having that low of an assist rate is really, really, really poor. Um, the fact that, like, I don't know, that's, that's really bad. Like, Hardenstein is, for reference, Isaiah Hardenstein has an assist rate of 19.0. Um, Colin Sexton has an assist rate of 19.8. Damian Dotson has an assist rate of 18.3. If we go on to look at um, the Washington Wizards assist rate, guys, um, they might be skewed a little because Westbrook is like way, way higher than everyone. But like Bradley Beal is at 21. Um, Ish Smith is at 27. Like to have an assist rate that low and be a guard is not a normal thing. Um, one thing I also want to mention is that the Cavs offense looks so much worse um, when it was just Sexton versus just Garland. Um, it's kind of like because Colin Sexton doesn't really have that much of a passing acumen. He doesn't have the same pick and roll acumen that um, 
that uh, Darius Garland has. I think Darius Garland is a better offensive creator right now than Colin Sexton. Like, Colin Sexton puts up points. Does he put up points efficiently? I want to look up Colin Sexton um, stats on basketball reference. I want to see his true shooting numbers. Um, they're in advanced on basketball reference. Um, his three-point attempt rate hasn't really gone up. This so his true shooting is at 58.1. That's actually good. That's above league average. Um, that's kind of surprising. Um, but yeah, like he, just him not being a passer at all um, really, really makes it hard for his team to do anything with just him on the floor. Um, it felt like in this game, I do want to check the stats on this one. Um, so I want to look at on the court, Colin Sexton off the court. Um, where is Darius Garland? Starts with the D. It's in alphabetical order. Okay. So Colin Sexton on the court, Darius Garland off the court. Um, the offensive rating for the Cavs is 107 which is in the 20th percentile. That's really, really bad. Um, I want to look at on the court, Darius Garland, and then off the court, Colin Sexton. Um, so the other way around is 107. Um, with Darius Garland on the court and Colin Sexton off the court, the offense rating is 108.2. Um, so not much better. Um, but yeah, um, I want to, I wonder if I can look at, I don't think I can. I want to look at assist rate with, yeah, no, I can't. Okay, so that's kind of disappointing. But anyways, um, yeah, Cavs offense, not good with Colin Sexton just on the court. Also, like, I don't think that J.B. Bickerstaff is a very good offensive coach. Um, like, the offense is just so lifeless in this game. Like, if you're relying on, like, second side kickouts to Isaac Okoro to attack the paint for to generate, like, anything on offense, like, that's bad theory. Um, like, the theory doesn't make sense to me. Like, you have Jared Allen. Jared Allen's really good as a rim runner. Um, use him that way. Um, you know, push the ball in transition. You have two young guards and Sexton and Garland, like, run the floor um and then you have jerry allen and you have darius garland put the wizards in ball screens make the bigs come up to the level of the screen against darius garland and then like you like just like run like spread the floor um or like use isaac okoro on like stack action or something or use him off the ball as the screen's going on like or like maybe like run something flowing it's like there's just no theory behind the Cavs offense um and it's really ugly and it's hard to watch and it's not fun like you have kevin love like why are you not running like plays for him like veer action or like i don't know like something <laughs> like run floppy with him or like have him set down like tons of pin downs for like Darius Garland and Colin Sexton or like have him set ghost screens or have him set like flare screens like stuff like that like stuff like that would be hard to guard because Colin, like Kevin Love can shoot the ball um and that's like all he can really do at this point like he's kind of calcified defensively like he's not good at all defensively um like he can pass he can still work a little bit in the post if he gets a really really big mismatch um but like he can't really do much at this point besides shoot so use him as a threat to shoot use him in certain actions like it the, it's so frustrating watching a team that doesn't have that much of a theory on offense um i think jb Bickerstaff is a pretty solid defensive coach like some of the stuff that the Cavs do does make sense on defense um so that's where i think like that's why i think he's an nba head coach right now um because he's a really good defensive coach um just the offense is frustrating to watch um also when it, like when it boils down to like Colin Sexton, like just dribbling the ball for 15 seconds and then shooting a garbage shot. Um, it's just bad process. Um, yeah, I don't really know what I want to talk about from the Wizards' perspective. Like, this game was just so garbage. I will say um, Daniel Gafford, um, good offensively tonight, um, really bad defensively. Uh, Ish Smith looked good offensively tonight. He This was one of his better games. Um, he did a pretty solid job of, like, chasing around screens and stuff like that against the two guards. Um, so I was happy with the way he played tonight. Um, I'm going to try to do some quick hitters on all these guys. Like, Anthony Gill, he played hard. Um, he had he had like, a spin move in this game or something. Um, so that was good. Um, Bradley Beal, um, you know, whatever. Um, throw this game out. Um, Russell Westbrook, um, always love his energy. Um, not... Don't particularly love his shot um, selection against mismatches. Like if Russell Westbrook gets a mismatch on Dean Wade or 
um, Kevin Love. Um, it should be just attacking the paint every single time and getting a layup or getting a kick out to the weak side for a wide open shot or a drop down. Um, it should never be a pull up from the mid range. Like those are always awful. You know, those just the theory behind those are awful. Same for Rui. Um, like whenever Rui was on um kevin love that should be a giant mismatch for Rui when he's on the perimeter and kevin love is closing out on him um kevin love consistently closed out short against Rui. um Rui should still have a quick enough first step or like use his jab that he has shown a couple times um to get to the rim and finish um not a great game for Rui. he's still coming back though it's only a second game back perfectly makes sense alex Lund didn't really play that much this game like i I don't know. Like this game was so weird. Uh, I don't really know what to make of that. Same for Robin Lopez. Only played six minutes. Like if you want to get Daniel Gafford more experience out there, perfectly fine by me. Like tell him like work on his communication, which is something he really needs to work on. Um, like in ball screen coverage, I've noticed a few times like during the season with Daniel Gafford, um, he's just been like not on the same page as the um, as the lead or as the point of attack guard. Um, with, that's usually the fault of the big because the big does have to communicate the screen where the screen is and the coverage that the um, point of attack defender is executing. Um, so that's pretty much on him. Um, Garrison Matthews, I just want to see him play more. Um, I don't really understand why he's not playing more. Um, yeah, I want to talk about some playing stuff. We're already 15 minutes in. Oh, that's surprising. Oh, I do also want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about. Colin Sexton shooting um, at the beginning. So Colin Sexton has a two motion shot. He doesn't get a ton of elevation on it. And he's six foot one. Um, and it's a little bit slow. Like that's going to be tough for him in the league um, to really, really get off consistently, um, which I wonder like how much he's going to work on that throughout like this offseason, next offseason, like just throughout his career. Um, because if he really wants to hit that ceiling of a high level offensive creator um, and then show a little bit more defensively, um, which I think is possible, like with the way he moves, um, like, I don't know, there's, like, clips on Instagram of him being, like, an intense defender. Like, that just doesn't show in the games. Um, but maybe if his offensive role scaled back a little bit, um, then he could do it. I think he's probably more of a future, like, pretty good six-man who can play on the ball than, like, a lead guard type of guy that some people like to think he is. Um, but so, yeah, so from with the closest defender from two to four feet away this season, um, Colin Sexton is seven for 26, which is 26.9%. From with the closest defender four to six feet away, he's 40 for 120, which is 33.3%. And on wide open looks with six plus feet of space, he's 33 of 69, which is 47.8%, which is really, really, really good. Um, I want to look at dribbles. Um, so with zero dribbles, ah, I've had an advanced filter. Player equals Sexton. Sexton. Okay, so I want to change it to totals instead of per game. Off zero dribbles, these are catch and shoot. Sexton is 52 of 125, which is 41.6%, which is really, really, really good. Um, ah, why did this happen? Okay, I want to look at one dribble. Um, off one dribble, Sexton is 7 of 25, which is 28%. Off of two dribbles, Sexton is 2 of 10. Um, three to six dribbles, 12 of 30. Um, which is 40%, which is good, but only on 40 attempts. And off seven plus dribbles, he's eight of 27. So like the pattern here is that like, which is like eminent or evident, eminent, what is it? What? That doesn't even make, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Um, but what's really, really evident is that um, he can't get his shots off off the dribble um, or he's not comfortable shooting them off the dribble. I think it's more of a, like he just can't get it off because his shot is too slow and it's too much of a two motion shot um, that he he just like, just straight up cannot get it off. Um and like he doesn't get enough elevation, um, 
And like if teams chase him over, he can't really like he doesn't really have a shot. Um, so you know we'll kind of see how he develops that in the future. Um, also the passing just desperately, desperately, desperately needs to get better. The defensive intensity um, from possession to possession basis needs to get better. The off ball defense needs to get way better. Like he's a really, really long ways away from um, being the player that people think that he could be or is now. Um, so we'll kind of see with that. Um, so super quickly, I want to talk about. Um, the playing um, NBA standings, I got to pull up. Um, so Eastern Conference standings, the Wizards right now are 10th. Um, and they're rather comfort- comfortably in 10th. They're 13. So the Bulls right now are two and a half games back of the Wizards. They're playing right now against the Bucks. I wonder how that game is going. Um, and they're losing by 14 points. They have a couple guys out. They still have Zach Levine out. Like, I'm not worried about that. Like, they're about to go three games back of the Wizards with only, like, nine games left in their season. Like, I'm not worried about the Bucs. I'm not really worried about the Raptors who are going to be, they're also three games back in the Wizards. So what I am worried about is jockeying for position in that seven to 10 range. Um, so in the playing game, I've said this a few times before, but if you're the seven seed, so assuming that the seven through 10 teams are all just completely equal in terms of how good they are, if you're the seven seed, you have an 80% chance to make the playoffs. If you're the eight seed, you have a 75% chance to make the playoffs. If you're the nine seed, you have a 25% chance to make the playoffs. And if you're the 10 seed, you have a 20% chance. And that's if you assume that all the teams are equal. Now, either the Celtics or the Heat are going to be the seventh seed in all likelihood. Um, so one of those teams is not going to be equal, <laughs> just straight up. Um, if you say the Hornets versus the Wizards, who has the edge? Uh, whew, probably the, I would want to say the Wizards, um, but we'll kind of see. Um, I think Borrego would, is just like so much better of a coach than Scott Brooks. Like I think the stuff they run on defense is just way better than what the Wizards are doing. Um, but just matchup-wise, I think that the Wizards have an advantage there. Um, and then against the Pacers, it kind of depends on health. I think Miles Turner is probably going to be out for the year, but we'll kind of see how that um, progresses. And then DeMontis Sabonis is going to be back for the playoffs. Um, but the Pacers, I don't think, are really that good. Um, so the Wizards' path, path to the playoffs, if they are in the 10 or the 9 seed, is tough. Um, I think they can do it still, but it's still like you know 20 25% chance of them making it. Um, so what you really want to do is get up to the 8 seed. If you get up to the 8 seed, then all of a sudden, your chance of making the playoffs skyrocket to from 25% at the 9 seed to 75% at the 8 seed. So if you can get there, then you're going to make, you're probably going to make the playoffs. Um, so but the Wizards, the Wizards are one and a half games back of the Hornets, um, which is not a good place to be right now. Um, I want to look at Tankathon. So Tankathon um, is an awesome website and they have um, remaining strength of schedule rankings. Um, so the main remaining strength of schedule um, rank for the Wizards is 15th. So the winning percentage of the games remaining, including the Cavaliers game that they just played, is 48.9. So that's going to um, change um, tomorrow morning. Um, and then for the Charlotte Hornets, who are one and a half games ahead of the Wizards, their remaining strength of schedule is... Where are they? 24th. So their remaining strength of schedule is 46.5. Um, some of the easy games that they have coming up, they play the Pistons twice, they play the Magic once, <laughs> they play the Bulls once, they play the Pelicans once. Uh, yeah, so I guess the Wizards are not going to... In all likelihood, they're not going to get that eight seed. Um, so just to update you on the Raptor and Elo stuff, um, Elo has the Wizards at a 23% chance to make the playoffs, um, which is way, way better than it was. Like a month ago, it was like less than 1%. Um, Raptor has them at a 17% chance to make the playoffs. Um, so these are not particularly good places you want to be. Um, Raptor has the Wizards being the um, 10 seed in the East, um, and Elo has the Wizards being the also the 10 seed in the East. Um, so yeah, not good places you want to be. Um, if you can get to that nine seed, that really, really boosts your odds. If you can get to that eight seed, then it 
doubles your odds, triples your odds, right? Triples. Um, so that's where you want to be. Um, that's where I'm hoping the Wizards can get to. Um, and if not, uh, it's going to be an uphill climb, um, but it's still possible. Um, the next thing I want to talk about, like the last thing I want to talk about super, super quickly, um, just to get people out of here early, is Bradley Beal's pull-up shooting. Um, my question, like something that the Cavs did tonight was that, so last game, like, um, what's his face? Jared Allen just got absolutely cooked every single time he came up to the level of the screen against Bradley Beal. Tonight, they were playing more of a soft hedge instead of coming to the level and containing, like, to the touch. Um, so that, I thought that was interesting. Um, and the reason I think that's interesting is something I've been thinking about. Um, I've been waiting, um, for the, a team to kind of play this coverage more to talk about it is um, Bradley Beal isn't that great of a pull-up three-point shooter, I don't think. Um, it, it looks good because he shoots it so quickly. And he's just such a talented player. Um, but just if you look at the numbers, um, on the season, pull-up shooting, Bradley Beal is 49 for 160, which is 30.6%, which is not good. Um, I want to look at So catch and shoot, Bradley Beal um, is where his bread is buttered. Um, advanced filters, uh, player equals Beal. Per game, I want to see totals. Um, so catch and shoot threes, Bradley Beal this season is 68 for 172, which is 39.5%. Um, and that's the thing that's really, really driving up his three-point percentage. Um, but also three-point percentage, just raw, like isn't that great. Um, I want to look at his career three-point percentage on cleaning the glass. Um, <laughs> it's loading. <laughs> Where are his... Oh, offensive overview, I want to look at shooting accuracy. Um, so throughout his career, Bradley Beal, um, from three, um, the highest he ever got. So he was like a 40% shooter. Um, he, until his attempts started getting harder the past three years. So the past three years, he's been 35% every single year. Um, so my thing is that like, I don't know if Bradley Beal is that good of a pull-up three-point shooter. Like, is he a good enough pull-up three-point shooter? If you, um, play a soft coverage against him, that he can really, really punish you in that action. Like our, I, I'm a hundred percent certain that, well, not a hundred percent, but I'm fairly certain that the. Like someone like James Borrego would experiment with that. Maybe even someone like Nate Bjorkman. They're going to experiment with playing that a little bit of a soft head, especially with like guys like Cody Zeller, especially with guys like um, DeMontis Sabonis. Like I can imagine a world where the Hornets just kind of just play a drop and just dare Bradley be able to shoot the ball. Um, maybe even with DeMontis Sabonis, but like you kind of want him out on the floor a little bit more because the rim protection stuff isn't good. Um, but yeah, I'm just really, really curious how teams are going to play Bradley Beal. Like, I can see them just going full-out blitz. I can see them going drop um, and just daring Bradley Beal to make pull-up threes. Um, do I think he's capable of it? Yes. Do I think he's super consistent at it? No. Um, so we'll see. Um, but as I talked about last time, like, if there's a blitz, the Wizards, um, they don't really know what to do out of it. But if it's, like, a blitz coming from DeMontis Sabonis, Bradley Beal's going to turn the corner. Um, if it's the blitz coming from Cody Zeller, Bradley Beal's going to turn the corner. Like, those guys can't handle like. Bismack Biombo is going to be, he's going to turn the corner. Gogo Batadze, he's going to turn the corner. Um, so do these teams have the personnel um, to guard Bradley Beal uh, in a ball screen? I don't think so. Um, do they, will they have to, like, they'll have to blitz and pull help really, really far over. But even if you blitz and you pull help really, really far over, then all of a sudden Bradley Beal is going like four on three anyways, um, which is not a good situation that you want to be in. Um, now, it is also going to stress Bradley Beal's playmaking ability. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be really, really interesting to see like how these teams will potentially play him in a playing series. I'm getting really, really far ahead of myself, though. Um, there's still like 10 games left before we uh, I really, really break this down. Um, but yeah, this game is too boring. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. I'll go through my notes super quick, and then um, that'll be that. Um, let's see. Um, oh, the Wizards ran stack a bunch in this game. Um, it was really successful. I 
I've been begging them all season long um, to do that more, and they did in this game. Um, I talked about that. Talked about oh, one thing I really liked that the Cavs did theory wise was that um, like pretty much like every um, after timeout was after timeout or just like situation where they could set up a play. Um, the Cavs um, went to zone um, just to kind of mess with the Wizards' play. I thought that was really really smart, and the Wizards struggled with that. Um, Honestly, I would have liked for them to just stick to zone um, because their defense wasn't very good tonight. Um, and just like the point of attack defenders and the help guys just aren't very good besides outside of Jared Allen and outside of the point of attack guy of Isaac Okoro. Um, oh, one play. So Gafford was not great defensively tonight um, in terms of communication and all that, blah, blah, blah. Um, but one play that I did really like was that um, so in the second quarter, um, Russell Westbrook was posting up a lot of times um, just out of improvisation. Um Robin Lopez will go set a pin for um, Davis Bertans. Um, Gafford did that, and I was pretty impressed by that. Um, Hutchinson cuts through the lane every single time Russell Westbrook has the ball. I like that. I like that he does that. He's a good cutter. Um, nothing is worse than a mismatch having a bad shot. I talked about that. Um, talked about that. Oh, yeah. The Cavs switched a lot of Russell Westbrook screens. That's also another thing I'm going to be looking for um, in a potential playing game, like how teams defend Russell Westbrook because – Last year, like teams defended him with like their center. Um, so we'll it'll be really really interesting to see how teams guard him. Cavs offense has gotten really blah blah blah. Talk about that. Oh oh, I do have to talk super briefly about those catches, wins some minutes, uh, or about one sequence of plays. So it was on the offensive end. Um, he got a step up screen. He threw the ball out in front of him. Um, kind of like the Donovan Mitchell move that he does a lot. Um, had a little floater in the lane. The next play, him and Isak Bonga perfectly executed. Um, a scram switch out of the post to get catches Winston out of there. Um, so yeah. Next Wizards game is tomorrow um, against, hopefully, the Mavericks. Hopefully with Luka Doncic. Please, please, please. Um, I don't want to watch another game where, like, a bad team with a bunch of their guys out. Um, so if Luka Doncic plays, that'll be super exciting. Make for some great content on here. Um, Luka Doncic is one of my favorite watchers in the league. Um, so, yeah. So definitely tune into that. I'll have a podcast coming out that night or the next day. Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoopsWizardsPod. I'll see you next time.